Hey there, listener. I know you're dying to get to today's juicy, juicy episode, but real quick, we wanted to tell you something special. If you hadn't heard, we are coming out with an actual play Dungeons and Dragons show. It's going to be called Pact and Boon. And if you listen to the end of today's episode, you can actually hear the first part of episode one. Now, if you want to make sure you don't miss the launch of this new show, go to sessionzerostudios.com slash guild and sign up to join our free community where we'll announce all of these things. But again, if you listen to today's episode all the way to the end, you'll hear a snippet from the first part of the first episode and tell us what you think. But uh, in the meantime, let's get back to today's show. Welcome back to How to Be a Better DM. I'm your host today, Justin Lewis. And today, I want to talk to you about an aspect of D&D that is one part storytelling, one part game mechanic, and overall just an interesting facet of the game. Namely, alignment. We've all heard the famous phrase of, it's what my character would do. Naturally, when someone says that, they're usually trying to justify something stupid, evil, weird, or just wrong that they've done. Sometimes they'll cite their alignment as the main driver of their choice-making process. And for some reason, that never really sat well with me. So today, I wanted to talk about a couple ways to think about alignment and hopefully help you determine that you need to choose the way you're going to look at alignment in your game because it can radically change how your characters act and how you act towards your characters. First of all, what is alignment? <clears throat> Before we get into how to use alignment in your games, let's first figure out what alignment is. And even defining it is gonna be a little bit difficult because how you define it also impacts how you play with it. So I'm gonna try to define it and explain it in a way that's agnostic of the way you choose to play with it. Let me first start by saying that alignment is an optional mechanic of the game. Nowhere does it say in any rulebook or game module that you need to have alignment. Only certain items have requirements about alignment and that's simply for the purpose of attunement. As a DM, if you wanted to, you could simply choose to disregard all of that. So if you feel that alignment just gums up the system and makes things harder to play, then great, just don't use it. Alignment's not necessary, though in my opinion, it does make things a lot more fun. So in its most basic form, alignment describes your character's position relative to order and chaos and relative to good and evil. I won't go too much more in depth quite yet because I don't want to affect how you think about alignment before I explain the ways that you can use it in your game. In the first edition of D&D, or really when it was just an add-on to the game Chainmail, there was really only the choice between lawful, neutral, and chaotic. It was much simpler, but then, as things progressed, as they often do, D&D evolved to have the chaotic and lawful spectrum, as well as the evil and good spectrum. But what purpose does alignment serve? In reality, alignment, just like everything else in the game, only helps move the story along. You can take any mechanic out and still move the story along, so really, alignment is just a plot device, in the sense that it's supposed to theoretically impact how your character develops and the choices they make, really how the plot progresses. In practice, though, that becomes very messy. You start asking questions about morality, right and wrong, and to be honest, the whole discussion becomes very philosophical 
with you as the DM being the judge. So let me introduce you to my quandary and how I came to think about alignment. In my current campaign, my wife's character found himself stuck in his own mindscape. He had essentially been banished there by a being called Dreamtaker, who I've, I've talked about on this podcast many times before. And while in that mindscape, the character, Ransom, encountered an evil little NPC that inhabits part of his mind named Matik. And spoiler alert, Matik is supposed to symbolize the, the potential every being has to do evil. It's the potential to become the worst version of ourselves. And as such, you can't really get rid of him because he's going to always be there. He's going to always try and make you do terrible, terrible things. Uh, and that's just it. So in this, in this mindscape, Ransom had become very lost because, obviously, the mindscape is a maze. And this evil Matik appeared and offered Ransom a map to the maze in exchange for, quote-unquote, his innocence. Frustrated with the maze and wanting to get out, Ransom took the deal and escaped the mind maze, but naturally exchanged his innocence and therefore lost his innocence. And as soon as Ransom left the maze, I informed my wife that her character was now chaotic evil. She was not happy about that. And since then, she's been asking me about ways she can get her quote-unquote innocence back, but really her question is, is about whether or not she can change her alignment. Fast forward a few weeks, different situation. My brother-in-law, Drew, is in town, and he and his wife want to join us for one of our D&D sessions. Uh, as chance would have it, that same night, my brother-in-law, Ethan, who does have a character in our campaign, couldn't make it. He couldn't play. So, Drew decided to play Ethan's character, Necro, and Drew's wife played an NPC. While playing, Drew decided to split Necro from the party and investigate a dockyard. At the dockyard, Drew had Necro pick a fight with and murder a dock worker. Ethan came back just at that moment and with despair saw what was happening with his character. Now this wasn't the first time Necro has murdered someone, but this time was different in that there wasn't any extenuating circumstances. Necro had just murdered a random person in cold blood. And I told Ethan that his alignment had shifted towards evil. He was upset, naturally, as his character had been trying to make certain strides forward to be good. So with both of these stories in mind and the desire for these two players to have their characters to be good, I had an interesting thought come across my mind. I wondered, is alignment prescriptive or descriptive? Does your alignment tell you how your character should act or how they have acted in the past? Just because Ethan's alignment is now evil, does that mean he can't do anything good? And does that mean someone who is good, they can't do anything evil? And I've come to the conclusion that you need to make that decision because when you explain this to your player, you can let them make choices moving forward with that in mind. So let's look at the three options that this kind of conundrum opens up to you. And yes, there is a secret third option. Descriptive. If you choose to let the alignment be descriptive, then it is more of a description of all their past deeds. It has little bearing on what they will do in the future and instead is more of a reputational aspect. Uh, it's more of a 
label based on all their previous actions. If you choose to play this method, then I would adopt certain measures that somewhat in the old game Knights of the Old Republic you can find. For example, in that game, when you press pause, you see your character standing there with sort of a spectrum, a gauge, showing how far they are into the light or dark sides of the force. When they are in the light side of the force, the character that you see there standing stands tall. Their posture is open and brave, and they're surrounded by light, and they seem to have an aura of good about them. If they are deep in the dark side, then their eyes have darkened, and their face is covered by a permanent scowl, and all around them they're surrounded by darkness. If you use the descriptive method of alignment, then I would adopt similar attributes, maybe, and if they make their way to being chaotic evil, for, for, for example, then people start to perceive and mistrust them. They see something in their eyes that indicates a chaotic or evil nature. Any persuasion checks that would rely on trust or goodwill would receive disadvantage. And on the other hand, any checks involving deception or intimidation would probably get some sort of advantage. Obviously, assuming that the people they're trying to intimidate or persuade are neutral or good. On the flip side, if your character is lawful good, then they should naturally be liked and trusted by people who are common folk, right? People within cities, for the most part. Of course, this is, this is simplifying things, but you get the idea. The alignment becomes a list of all the bad things they've done or the good things, and over time, people would naturally get a sense of those things just by being around them. You know, that kind of sixth sense that you sometimes get around people uh, about their character and gut senses of, I should trust this person or I don't like this person. That's, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And in this method, if someone wanted to change their alignment, then they would have to consciously act over a long period of time to slowly change their alignment. Essentially, filling up their past with deeds that are good over evil to slowly shift the balance towards neutral and then towards good. So that's the descriptive method. Prescriptive. The prescriptive method of alignment is less about what you've done and more about what you aspire to be. The distinction is slight, but the big difference is that a character can choose their alignment in an instant. Changing alignment would likely require some large emotional experience, but it could theoretically happen. And from that moment, despite shortcomings, the character would try to live up to a certain ideal lifestyle. From a DM's perspective, you could reward strenuous attempts with advantage or inspiration and give quote-unquote de-inspiration for actions that go against the, the alignment. And, and how this might look in play is, let's take Necro, for example. Necro uh, has an alignment of evil, chaotic evil, just because of his past actions and whatnot. Let's say I adopt the prescriptive method. I can tell Necro, I can say, hey, you can claim that your alignment is lawful good. But every time you don't live up to that, you will have periods of moral guilt, right? So let's say he kills another person. I would say for like the next week, he would have lots of guilt and 50-50 chance that on every role he has, he has disadvantage. Now, that's a lot of roles, so I don't know if I'd do it exactly that way, but you get the idea. He has these aspirations, and when he doesn't live up to them, he would essentially have cognitive dissonance, and that would hamper his ability to do everything else. 
The combo. As you've no doubt guessed by now, the third option is the combination of the two. And really, this is closer to how we live in real life. We are partly our past and partly our aspirations for the future, and together, those combine to make the present. And if you can handle it, try to combine both of these methods to create a current alignment that correctly reflects the cumulative effect of all the decisions of the past and present, and at the same time allows the character to aspire for different ways of life and try to make their way to that point. For example, you could almost separate their alignment into previous alignment and future alignment, right? So everything they've done in the past has physical effects on their person. So if they've done evil things, then they become a dark and, and seedy character. But if they have alignment for the future, every time they do something good, they could get bits of inspiration. I suppose you could also cut it down into if you want to change your alignment, you have to essentially get a certain number of alignment points in this or that direction. I would maybe implement that as a test with my players, but it would be somewhat difficult. And why shouldn't it be? We're only talking about the concept of good and evil and how to act rightly in a difficult world. So as you go out and play your sessions with your players, I'd encourage you to bring in more and more moral quandaries and questions. Thinking of right and wrong and, and best and worst decisions is at the very nature of human existence. So your players will likely enjoy being pushed to think about what they really should do and what effect it should have on their characters. And, and that particularly is probably the most important aspect of alignment. What effect do their choices have on their characters? I would reward choices that align with their long-term vision of themselves. And if they don't have a long-term vision of themselves, then maybe you could add some more moral quandaries and give their player or give their character something to think about. I think your characters, your players rather, will enjoy the opportunity to have these mental exercises and, and try and do somewhat similar things in their own lives. And in that way, DD becomes more than just a game, it becomes practice for living a better life. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was a little different and a lot more philosophical, and I'm confident that thinking about alignment will make your games more interesting and your players will be more invested we'll be back next week for another great episode but until then let's go ahead and roll initiative thank you for listening to today's show uh, we really appreciate your support and your patronage we have a few more announcements to go over uh, first thanks for listening to today's show you obviously liked it because you listened this far so as a treat we want to give you a taste of what's coming Listen up. Well, folks, we are living in the world of Kalignos. Um, world of fantasy, magic, adventure, death, life, gods, the lack thereof, murder, love, mystery, no love, Gosh, zero love, but most of all, love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's some love, but we won't be doing any of that because I don't like it. Because we're all men here. We're yes. all thank yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey. well, actually, well, we'll see. Sorry. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to bring the love. Thank Tanner. You. Tanner will bring the love. <laughs> I feel that. Come with us. Um, we find ourselves in hell. The nine hells, to be exact. Each layer of the hells grows more violent and evil in its nature. We pass beyond Avernus, the first hell, 
a rocky and desolate landscape being constantly ruptured and broken by meteors falling from above and volcanic eruptions from below. A legion of fiends marching towards some unknown destination, branded and prepared for war. A frighteningly gorgeous woman in dark robes at their head. Falling through an opalescent pool, tumbling through the heats of hell, we find the Iron City of Dis, the second level of hell. The walls, buildings, and streets all glow with a dull red of hot metal. A monstrous tower pierces the sky and overlooks the Iron City, the throne of Dispater. Peering at its subjects, a waterfall of molten lava flows out of a wall covering an entrance to the underground prison network where prisoners of war, criminals, and kidnappers are kept and reformed. Mentiri, the prison of Dis. Now, our intent is to find heroes of the light, heroes of righteous demeanor, heroes that can bring the world from darkness and save the innocent. Let's go see if we can find them in Mentiri. We find ourselves deep in a portion of Mentiri called The Purge, an unsettlingly clean and put together section of the prison dedicated to the torture, reformation, and punishment of prisoners. An Aaron Yace, clad in blood red plate armor, drags a jet black dagger down the bare chest of a human man strapped to an iron table. Damn. He's dashing, rippling with muscles, white blonde hair disheveled. It's long about shoulder length. He's, he's a good looking dude, right? So there is some love okay. here in Caligula. Right. <laughs> okay. we're, we're feeling it. All right, good. That's all his apparently. <laughs> yeah, it is. He clenches his teeth in pain as the dagger is just casually dragged down his belly as blood starts to come out. Um, he fixes his gaze on this devil woman and says, I will ever serve the light. May the gods curse you. And he spits. She sighs, breathes in deeply, puts away the dagger and summons a giant greatsword from out of the nothingness. Uh, before the man has time to finish the gulp, as he sees this giant blade, uh, his head is lopped off. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> there goes the hero of light. Not so handsome anymore. Um, let's see if we can find anybody else. What do you say? That's right. We're coming out with an actual play D&D podcast called Pact and Boon. And we are so excited to share this with you. Just so you know, our characters start out in the Nine Hells. And if that doesn't sound fun enough for you, let me just say that Tanner will be sporting a German accent. And it is quite delightful. So if you want to be notified for when this show comes out within the next few months, go to sessionzerostudios.com slash pact. N Boon. That's P A C T N B O O N. Put in your name and email, and we'll let you know as soon as Pact and Boon is released. Tired of being alone? 
Are you tired of not having any of your players understand you? Are you tired of never truly belonging? Well, you're in luck. All you need to do is join the Guild. The Guild is a unique and exclusive experience that is only open to Dungeon Masters. It is a full community focused on helping ease your DMing burdens. Want to meet other DMs? Join the Guild. Want to discuss your homebrew ideas with people who would appreciate it instead of just telling your cat? Join the Guild. Want to find a place where all your wildest dreams will come true? Join the Guild. Go to monsters.rent slash guild and sign up today for free. Wait, that can't be right. Chuck, Chuck, can you check this again? Is this supposed to be... What? Oh, it's... They're serious? It's free? Oh, okay. All right. Yes, go to monsters.rent slash subscribe slash guild and sign up today for free, even though they are crazy for giving this away for free. Common side effects may include burping, sneezing, laughing, breathing, hearing, listening, tasting, farting, creating sarcasm, puns, and in extreme cases, explosive diarrhea. That's all the announcements we have today. Again, thank you so much for everything you do for us. You make this show possible. Like we said before, we'll be back next week with another great episode. And until then, let's go ahead and roll initiative. <laughs>